Gospel according to Mark, the 13th chapter. Glory to you, Lord. Jesus said in those days, after that suffering, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven. The powers in the heaven will be shaken. Then they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. Then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth, friends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree, learn uh, this lesson. As soon as its branches become tender, it puts forth its leaves. You know, the summer is near. So also, when you see things take place, you know that he is near, the very gates. Very truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But about the day or the hour, no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert. For you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and he commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake. For you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or unless he may find you asleep when, you, when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. First of all, does that sound familiar, what I just said? We just heard that line. So some of the stuff we say comes from someplace. Anyways, um, my, I guess I'm guessing that the story I am about, the little scenario I'm about to tell you, is probably not going to be uh, unfamiliar, as you may have heard this over the Thanksgiving holiday, with just different names included. No, no, I'm hungry. Where are we going to eat? Well, Julia, Uncle Tom has to bring the turkey. We will eat when the turkey arrives. Ten minutes later. No, no. When is Uncle Tom going to be here with the turkey? I'm really hungry. At this point, I pulled Julia over and I said, here's what we need to do. Now, mind you, my sister lives on a very quiet cul-de-sac in her neighborhood. So not many cars come through. But I said, we need to watch. We need to watch for every car that comes through. And you know one of them will be Uncle Tom. Seemed like every 10 minutes, Miss Julia was asking the same question. When is Uncle Tom going to be here? He was driving her crazy. Besides, she was still hungry. There was a huge cheer that went out, especially with the kids, some adults too, when we saw Uncle Tom's feet come out of his vehicle. 
as Julia went screaming to Nona, Uncle Tom is here! And then she heads over to her place at the table where her name tag is, and she gets all of her stuff ready, because there's a lot of food here. She sits down. She realizes she's all by herself. Doesn't take her long to realize that the waiting wasn't going to end as soon as Uncle Tom came with the turkey, as it still needed to be carved and gravy needed to be made, and there was another couple we were waiting for, and, and it just takes time to get everybody to sit down at the table. There's a, over an hour as I watched Julia and felt bad for her because waiting is hard as a kid. It's like horrible, like we almost torture them with waiting. But then I realized it's not just kids who struggle with waiting. We live in a culture of busyness. We don't have time to wait. That's why we have fast food and express lanes. And I even chuckled as I was uh, driving from the UP down back to Green Bay and noticed a sign on the road where it says, slow traffic, keep to the right. And I realized quickly there were people that needed to go a whole lot faster than me. We love our DVRs so we can fast forward through the commercials. Even at church, there is this unwritten expectation the church really needs to stay under an hour in time. Because we have things to do, right? We need to get on with our, our day, I heard somebody once say. A conversation this past week with a retired pastor who was challenging me on our text today. He wanted to know what I felt we should be doing in this time that we are to be aware and to stay awake. He said there's so much stuff that we need to get we need to get done. So what do we do? What's the first thing, Pastor, you would accomplish? My seminary professors would be proud. I asked him, what does the text say that we should do? He paused and he said, well, it doesn't say. And I said, well, then maybe we just need to wait. I suggested that when it comes to the return of Christ, maybe it isn't about all of the checklists we get chopped off. It's not all that we do, but maybe there is something in that weight that Jesus wants us to experience. I remember as a kid, the true feeling of expectation around Christmas, all that was to come. But even as I say that, I think expectation is the wrong word. Because while I was excited, much of the excitement was not about what I expected, but what could be happening or what, what might happen. Expectation is wrong because some of the presents I opened were not what I expected. 
and yet they still brought me a whole bunch of joy. I didn't expect the hamster that I got one year, but he was fun for a little time. We had him before he died. But for years I thought about Christmas and the expectations that I had, all the things I placed on, on Christmas. For these next four weeks, we hear stories about what it means for the Messiah to come and to change the world. And I think of the people who awaited the coming of the Messiah so many years ago and the feelings they may have had, including expectations. They waited and they watched and then were surprised when things didn't happen as they expected. In today's text, Jesus tell, uh, tells a few of his disciples to be aware, keep awake. Something they had that, that they will be asked to do again in the next chapter of Mark when Jesus goes to the garden to pray. Because to be aware, to keep awake, is to say that something big is going to happen and you're never going to be able to guess what it is. Well, something is going to happen, not just 2,000 years ago, but I proclaim it, at, I proclaim it today as well. The message is as true today as it was when Jesus spoke to his friends about what is to come. Because God will come again and the world will truly change. I don't know about you, but that proclamation of God coming again and the world changing is not something I know how to plan for. So if this time of waiting is about planning, I don't know how to plan for it. I don't know what to expect. What will it look like or sound like? What does it mean for me and my family? What does it mean for you? I've been wondering what it means for Christ to return and the world to change. The idea that war will be no more, that crying and pain and sickness will be no more, that we will all live as one? That whole idea is uncomprehensible to me, but it excites me. Because right now I worry about those who are sick or those who are in the midst of war. By the way, called the last one I got. She is okay. Well, she's not okay. She's in the midst of war, but she's alive. I worry about those who are living in their cars or sleeping on the streets, those who have no food to eat or clean water to drink. I worry about the addicts. I worry about those who have hatred in their hearts. And yet I celebrate the day that is coming when I will no longer worry. Because God will come and the world will be made 
but I want this excitement to continue all through this Advent season and beyond as I wait and watch for the coming of Christ. The hope and the love that it all brings, the joy and peace we will celebrate. So take a moment to think about what it is, who is to come again. Christ is coming. The waiting will end soon. Thanks be to God.